My name is Scott Chaloner and this is the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on a very cool and brisk but also quite sunny winter morning here in the capital and hopefully adding a little bit more warmth and brightness to affairs by joining me on the show today is Michael Angus, Director of Barron's Court Project. Uh, Michael, very warm welcome to yourself this morning and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. Likewise, Michael. Pleasure having you alongside us. And um, just to sort of contextualise for those regular listeners that might not be familiar with you and your organisation, Barons Court Project, um, you're an independent charity that works with people who are homeless or living with various mental health issues. That's correct, isn't it? That is, yeah, that's absolutely what we are and who we are. Yeah, fantastic. And obviously with the with the, the advent of the uh, the COVID-19 pandemic over the uh, the last couple of years, I can imagine that that has had a significant impact on sort of the services that you provide. So what have been some of the real operational challenges of the uh, the last couple of years from your point of view? So I think I'll just, you know, I'll start by telling you a little bit about Warren's Court Project and mm. what we do um, pre-pandemic. Um, and that is that we are a day centre for people who are homeless, nearly homeless or living with a mental health condition. Um, it's a four-storey townhouse, um, so uh, basement cafe, lots of other activity rooms, so art room, music rooms, showers, laundry, haircuts, one-to-one advice, information, guidance and support, support for people, as well as um, a whole range of activities um, designed to um, enhance people's life experience. Um, so we cater for body first of all showers the meals and the practical services that people need when they're coming off the streets mind by um, education and supporting people with housing applications benefit applications etc and then spirit where we do a, a range of activities which are purely about well-being um, having fun um, and experience life and life in all its fullness so that's kind of in a nutshell Mm. very brief nutshell, what the project was about um, and what we aim to uh, be able to do with people. And we've had, you know, pre-pandemic, we would have had about 500 people, uh, individuals each year attending the project and around 8,500 visits um, to, the, to the project um, in that year. Um, and then along came coronavirus, um, which, you know, is just... Um, really well it's been a disaster for the whole world but obviously for us it was it was one of those things where we were uh, we had to close um you know we were ordered to close um in terms of our center um and i think that the the biggest impact was that we lost our sense of purpose and we lost our vocation those of us who worked there or volunteered there um, we had to say goodbye to people. You know, I remember that evening when we, we closed up on a Friday evening and it was clear that we weren't going to be able to open on the following Monday. And I stood at the front door mumbling a, an apology to people. I'm sorry. You know, this is it. I'm sorry. We'll, we'll see you on the other side. And not one of our guests complained. They just, they just, they just said, it's fine. You know, we wish each other the best wishes. Try not to shake hands on a, on a doorstep. Um, but you know, they, they were, it was very uncertain because there was no plan at that point of what was going to happen to people who were homeless or people uh, who used our centre. Um, and so it was a pretty horrendous thing to have to do. 
and we pride ourselves at Barons Court Project mm. um, that we are a home for people who don't have one um, and a home for people who perhaps don't feel at home within themselves. So to be to be saying goodbye when there was no plan was pretty grim. Um, I remember walking through the house um, as I locked up and all the staff had gone and I'd let everyone go and you know, with no concept of when I would be back and, and walking through each room and just remembering conversations the the joys of each room the occasional fight that had happened in those rooms and you know all the different things that I'd experienced over seven years of being there mm. um and and immensely was saying goodbye as it were to the, to the project for a while and so and I came home opened the door and wept um and that you know it was it was a, a really kind of key thing really and, and we had to adapt and we had to learn to do new things as did everyone mm. um and I'm not saying we got it all right. Um, and you know, we haven't managed to do as much online and digitally as we'd perhaps hoped we um, might have been able to. Um, but you know, we, we did adapt. And so with the government's Everyone In scheme, where people were put into hotels, we were able to pick up the things that weren't sorted. So I remember one young lad who rang me and he said, um, I'm in a hotel. And I said, that's great. So you're off the streets now, you're in a hotel yet. And he said, but I'm hungry. And I said, well, okay. I said, why are you hungry? You're supposed to be getting three meals a day and you know, one of them will be a sandwich, but you, you should be getting mm. two meals a day. And he said, I haven't had anything for 10 days. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, I said, what are you eating? And he said, I'm eating the two biscuits they put in the room each morning. Just an error from a local authority who hadn't ticked the right box to enable him to get the meals. But, you know, those sort of things mm. happened in the beginning. We, we we went all over London trying to sort things out like that. Um, Wi-Fi where it wasn't sorted so that people could stay in the hotel rather than going to hotspots. Um, and um, we quickly identified that tech would be a good thing. So we had a lot of people who'd come from Eastern Europe. If we could get them laptops tablets um and then they could stay in contact with family as well as some of them it was an opportunity to take time learn some english uh, improve their english um and to be able to prepare for, for when we came through the other end so those are kind of some of the things we did i do want to say that i didn't stay home for very long i, mm. I managed to get the builders in at the project and we used that time to do a whole load of development um which um would have meant it to close for a period anyway um and one of the lovely things about the pandemic if, if there was anything lovely about the pandemic was that i had a little bit of time so i um was speaking to a couple of our guests who are very talented artists um and talking and said how are you doing through this and they were clearly very isolated very demoralized very low um and i said would it help to come to the project and paint and they, they both said yes so um, whilst we weren't open for everyone, we couldn't be, um, they came and uh, sat at one side of the room and the other at the far end, um, and they painted. And many, many years ago in 2007, I actually worked in South Africa, in Johannesburg, mm. for a, a charity. Um, and each week I used to visit shops, which were home industry shops, where I would buy a cake or other products, knowing that they'd been made by people from townships, mainly women, um, in the townships or informal um, settlements, and that they got a percentage of the profit. And I looked at our artists' work, and I said, you know, 
we ought to try and sell these. We ought to try and make some of your designs or get some of your designs made with cards and see if we can sell it online. Um, and they were very skeptical and said, no, no one would want to buy our art. And I said, people will, because it's, it's stunningly beautiful. So we've now set up a, a social enterprise. It's called homelessmade.co.uk. Um, people can check it out um, where six artists are now part of the collective where we've been able to transform their work into cards, T-shirts, they had Christmas jumpers, um, prints, um, and the artists get 50% of the profit share and then Barron's Court Project use the other 50% to help more people off the streets. And that was, you know, that was one small thing, but it came out of the, have the pandemic because we had time um, mm. where, and we've sold over 10,000 cards um, online um, and obviously um, increased our awareness um, amongst the community um, of who we are and what we do. The, the really lovely thing about it all is that last week, Louis, who's one of the artists, was able to cash in his profit share and buy a rather grand laptop, um, which he wants to use to develop his photography um, work. Um, so his money, his earnings, which have enabled that. Um, and Guan, who's one of the artists, now actually runs an art class himself at the project, working with other people who are homeless and people with mental health conditions, leading that work um, and sharing his skills. So he's grown massively in confidence and self-esteem through um, through Homeless Made and mm-hmm. through um, having time with us to um, develop his skills. So whilst, you know, there were some really awful um, elements of um, the whole thing, um, the, you know, we, we, there's been some positive moments Mm. Um, that have come out of it. I just want to also to pay tribute to an organisation called Homeless Link, um, mm. who are an umbrella body of homeless organisations, I think about 900 across the country. Um, and right at the beginning, they were really helpful in leading people like me who hadn't a clue what to do uh, when this hit um, and helping us by having weekly webinars and kind of, um, keeping us up to date with information. I remember, you know, it was, it was, some things were really clear, you know, pubs, restaurants, theatres, when they eventually were told to close, closed. That was it, you know, closed, okay, you sort out what's in the, you know, you've got to throw away and whatever. You send your staff home, it's closed. And for us, it was very different. We were waiting on guidance from um, the Ministry of Housing, Communities and Local Government, which is now... I can't even remember what his name is, Department for Leveling Up, I think, and mm. um, Homes and Communities. Um, and we were waiting for the guidance of what day centres and what homelessness projects um, were supposed to do. Um, and every week we'd go to a webinar and it would be the guidance is imminent, the guidance is imminent. And about week 19, we just gave up waiting for guidance. Mm. It was, you know, you're on your own. Um, but fortunately, for me, as someone who was struggling, um, and you know, I, I, I believe it's okay to struggle uh, and to acknowledge that, then I was grateful to, to learn from other people um, through um, their help. So I just wanted to bring that in, if that was okay. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think it's just shown us, hasn't it, sort of the value of, if we call it networking, perhaps, and speaking to other sort of leaders um, of businesses, of organisations, because 
we were very much all in the same boat, weren't we? And so we could all essentially keep connected despite being physically apart and learn from each other. And I suppose it's a great irony that even though we've been away, we're sort of been brought closer together in many respects by the uh, the pandemic. And again, going back to something that you mentioned earlier about sort of that time to reflect and sort of trying to take the positives and the good things out of the uh, the opportunity that we've had. I suppose when you're going through something like say crisis management if we call it that you you learn a great deal about yourself from those periods of reflection don't you and there are some real real positive lessons that we can take forward from covid despite all of the tragedy of the situation aren't there yes absolutely and you know it was it was very much a a time of self-discovery um and having to you know completely adapt um in a crisis um i was kind of thinking you know um, what what our work is really about at, you know, at Baron's Court Project, and we deal with people who are in crisis. Um, you know, if you're living on the streets, you're in a crisis. Um, very often, we deal with people with mental health conditions who are at the point where they might be sectioned. Um, so, you know, it, it can be a crisis in that sense. Um, and we kind of normalise it. So, you know, a lot of the things that we um, work with we we don't see as um, abnormal or we were just used to it so in terms of learning from the pandemic and you know how we we move um forward i think that um what really struck me was um, and i'm going to go back to south africa now and um, it's, it's um, a fantastic country and in my blood from my mm. time there um was that there's a south african concept um of a word it's a zulu word called ubuntu um, and there is literally no English literal translation for the word, but it's a concept. And the concept of Ubuntu, um, Desmond Tutu, the late Desmond Tutu has translated it um, for us into English so we can um, enjoy this, um, is that it's Ubuntu is this, I am because you are. You are because I am. And that is a person becomes a person through other persons. And I think that is a challenge in terms of how we adapt to that um, when things were rocky and you know at times we've had to stop at home. Um, how do we build community when um, community was fragmented? How do we care for people who are not present um, when we couldn't be present um, and how do we bring people along who may not have the zoom skills the tech the uh, wi-fi even the um, connectivity that that was suddenly required um, you know a, lo- a large section of people were were missed um, and i think that was striking recently uh, one of our guests turned up probably a couple of months ago now it was um just before just after christmas maybe um so and i hadn't seen him since february before the pandemic started and he he turned up and i said hi how are you and he said okay and i said good to see you back i said you know you're welcome here um we've been open for over a year now i said what have you been up to and he said i've been locked in my flat for the last two years i haven't been out and he's just been forgotten about. Um, 
and you know there are stories of people who are still mm. petrified of the of the whole thing um you know paranoia maybe but you know absolutely destroyed by by what's happened in terms of the relationships they had and their routine and their structure and everything that we know is good for people with mental health conditions and and that was taken away so I think there's certainly a challenge in terms of, I don't know exactly what I've learned from the pandemic. Um, I think I mean, I've just got through it so far, touch wood. Um, but, um, you know, there's, there's going to have to be some learning. And, and people I listen to are saying, you know, we anticipate there will be a mental health explosion mm. as people start to um, unwind and, and the trauma that people have gone through comes to, to the fore. So, um and that, you know, coinciding with a cost of living increase that's going mm. to off the scale and rising, you know, issues within communities is going to mean that places like Bio Support Project are very, very busy again, um, which is lovely. But, you know, when a new variant comes along like Omicron did mm. just you know, before Christmas and took out, well, I'm at home now isolating because, you know, we've all had it. Um, and we were back to, we, you know, we're having to restrict numbers again and see people in slots. Um, it's not great. Um, and that sense of community, that sense of being present with each other, um, again, was taken away because we were saying no more than five people in the building at any one time. Um, and, and that's not what we want to be. That's, you know, that's not our um, ethos and that's mm. not how we operate. So. Um, still learning, I think. Um, <laughs> if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. And and like I say, it is an ever changing situation, and we are learning all the time. Literally, with something as unprecedented as COVID, every day is a school day. And I suppose, um, in terms of positives, um, I suppose even though there may obviously be a lingering sort of mental health crisis, I guess the fact that we're more aware of it and we're talking about our mental health and we are very self aware in that respect of our well being these days. I suppose that's probably one good thing. It sort of thrust it back into the uh, the national limelight for certain. And as we start to sort of understand more about this unfolding situation in this new normal, this sort of post-COVID world, just before we wrap things up on the uh, the programme this morning, uh, Michael, I'd be interested to understand uh, what are some of your priorities going to be, do you think, over this uh, next 12 months? Of course, rolling out those services and helping sort of alleviate this crisis will be one thing, but what is it that you're really sort of hoping to achieve over this next 12 months? Um, really good question. I think in terms of achievements for the coming 12 months, it's been, what's well, been difficult, I think, and the most challenging for me is that um, during the first year of the pandemic, there was lots of money um, and we were able to tap into that. We were able to um, grow our work. We were able to take on new members of staff um, and, and that enabled us to keep going and provide services from, you know, all the way through last winter and we didn't close. We were, we were open for the year with extra staff and extra slots in, in the times when we needed to be. This year, this financial year, there is no money. Um, and, you know, charities that I'm in contact with and organisations like mine are really struggling. Um, it's all gone. And it, it feels like that the money that came out was, um, you know, that the coronavirus was just going to end at the end of March last year. Um, and of course that hasn't. Um, and so I think a really big kind of um, issue for us will be funding um, in terms of 
the services that we want to provide and need to provide um, are we're going to struggle um, if I'm honest um, to, to manage that currently um, and I say with um, what's going on um, with the economy and people's um, pockets uh, uh, then we are anticipating being called upon um, and to you know by guests um, who are struggling and that's going to be very difficult um, we'll make it work we always have um, if there are people who want to join with us then you know they can get in touch we, we work with people for a day a month longer term um, and there's all sorts of ways people can get involved and, and help us out um, I think as I say, you know, we will need to take time and stop to work out how we build up the community again. Although some of our groups are really flourishing now, um, um, our women's group particularly, we've got a waiting list. Um, so they're eager. Um, it's just, as I say, managing things safely and, and just being aware that, you know, we're not, we're not actually post-pandemic. <laughs> we we're still in a mm. pandemic that can still throw things at us. And until the whole world is vaccinated, you know, we're not really safe. Um, but, you know, we, I think, well, 5% of people in some countries have had a vaccine. Um, it mutates, it develops. You know, we, we're nowhere near through this as yet. We, we hopefully will be through the worst of it. But, um, We've potentially got um, other things that could throw curveballs our way. So, and that means we'll have to adapt again. Um, and I think, you know, what, what we have done at Barron's Court, we haven't got everything right, but we have adapted. We have um, changed. We've, we've made our services available in different ways. Um, and just, I think, in terms of our logo, if, if anyone looks us up, barronscourtproject.co.uk, you'll see our logo. Um, and it's two people um, with their arms around each other they're side by side mm. so you know we don't lead from the front we're not walking ahead with a stick and like a shepherd leading their sheep or you know a mountaineer um guiding people up and we don't bring up from the rear we stand side by side our guests and we walk that journey of life together um and when there's a hurdle we face it together and that's who we are. That's our DNA. That's what we're about. Um, and I think so long as we keep doing that, then hopefully we'll get it right. And hopefully so as well. And uh, I do wish you all the luck in the world in this incredible mission that you are on and adapting to some of these really key challenges that we're going to keep seeing over the uh, the next few months and indeed years. And I actually think, uh, Michael, just given how enlightening it's been having you join us on the programme today to talk about everything you've been doing I'd relish the opportunity to welcome you back onto the show at some point in future and just see how things are coming along and um, hopefully there'll be some real positive news to share by that point. Yeah, that would be lovely. Um, lastly as well, just before we do uh, wrap up, um, do please take care and stay safe with all still going on and as I say, hopefully speak again in the future. Yeah, all right. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure for me to welcome Michael Angus, director of Barron's Court Project, onto today's show. And how wonderful it was to hear about all of that incredible work that they've been doing, uh, not just, of course, over the last two years, but also much, much longer before that as well. 
Um, also to anybody tuning in today who may feel that after this you have your own tale of success and innovation to share with us here at the Leaders Council and you want to share with us exactly what your organisation is doing, then why don't you also apply to be on the show via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply because by all means we would also love to hear from you. Um, until next time to all regular listeners, please do take care and goodbye. <laughs>